You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Wonderful. Why don't we pray right now? We're going to the Word of God. Father, we just thank you. We bless your name. I thank you for the ministry of your Word. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Uh, without you, I can do nothing. I submit myself. I yield myself. I receive grace right now to communicate the oracles of God. Lord, I ask <clears throat> that you'll speak through me. Let your will be done. Let your voice be heard. Let them hear your voice, not the voice of a man. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. I bless your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. One of the things that... Um, was covered during the conference uh, was the aspect of God's justice. And I remember um, some time ago we did that, I think it was last year, when we were dealing with the different names of God. And one of the names of God we looked at was Elohe Mispat, huh? which is the Lord, the God of justice. The God of justice. So this morning, I want to share with you on, um, I want to share with you on what I call understanding the God of justice. So you need to know that God is a God of justice. Alright? He is a God of justice. Many times when you hear justice, you only think about the chief judge and then the judges and our legal system and all of that. But I'm telling you, God, your Father... And the God that you serve is a God of justice. Amen. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 89, in Psalm 89, verse 14, it tells us there that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Amen. Okay? It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. So righteousness, right down on the throne of God. One of the things, if you've, if you've heard about people that have been to heaven, one of the things that tell you about the throne of God, in fact, if you read the book of Ezekiel, is that the throne of God is mobile. It moves. Okay. That throne, I mean, you, you remember when we were reading the book of Ezekiel? How many of you are faithful to your Bible reading? <laughs> Hey, that response. <laughs> please, please, you know, catch up, catch up. All right, let's continue. We, we're almost there. We're almost through the Bible. Amen. Isn't that a great achievement? Yeah, so keep reading, keep reading. And, and if you remember, when we were doing the book of Ezekiel, one of the things we saw about the throne of God is the wheels. The, the throne of God has wheels and he moves huh? different, different directions. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Bible is telling us in this Psalm 89 that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Amen. So right there, the foundation block, what makes, what establishes his, his throne and makes his throne secure what makes his throne solid and 
eternal and powerful and unshakable is his righteousness and his justice. His righteousness and his justice, that's what he's sitting upon. Okay, so he's sitting upon that throne. Uh, why? Why is God so particular about righteousness and justice? As you begin to read the Bible, especially after the conference, you begin to understand why God behaves the way he behaves. You will see that he always does things according to his righteousness and according to his justice. He is a God of love, right? He's a God of mercy. He's a God of compassion. All those qualities are there, but I want you to know that his justice is what determines how he deals with things. So many people only know the love of God, but they don't know the justice of God. And what they don't realize is that if you don't balance it, you will have an obscure understanding of God. So you need to know him as a God of justice. And it's interesting, it says mercy and truth go before your face. So you see there that he's not only interested in the truth, but it goes with mercy. So that's why even in executing justice, he, has, he, he does it with mercy. Glory to God. So I want... Whose phone is that? Okay, not mine. <laughs> Glory to God. So... I want us to look at a few scriptures. I was meditating and uh, um, I I was telling Pastor Sam that I have a different perspective of of godliness. (laughs) Somebody's warning me there. Glory, glory. So, Let's look at um, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. It says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Can you see? He will wait. Any phone that rings must be put into the offering basket. (laughs) Consider it donated. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he will, uh, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Amen. And therefore he will be exalted Amen. that he may have mercy on you. Amen. Right? Amen. For the Lord is a God of justice. Amen. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So, how many people have suffered injustice at some point in your life? Well, I want you to know that God is not sleeping. And I'm going to show you a few scriptures and then we will pray. 
You remember when Cain killed his brother? How many people remember that? Why? Because he was jealous of his brother. His brother's sacrifice was accepted. Uh, but his was not accepted. And although God warned him and said to him, why is your countenance fallen? If you do right, will you not be accepted? So your problem is not your brother. Your problem is that you are not doing right. So another person's success should not be your problem. Are you getting me? The fact that someone is doing well does not mean that you should have a problem with that person. The fact that God is blessing someone or God is accepting someone does not mean that you become jealous to the point that you want to get rid of the person. But I want you to know that Satan was the one that inspired Cain and filled his heart with jealousy with hatred, and then murder. It started with jealousy. Then it progressed to hatred, and eventually execution. So after that happened, this is the first family on earth. Look at chapter 4 of Genesis. Verse 9 to 9. The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) How many people know that when God asks you a question, it doesn't mean he doesn't know the answer. Whenever God asks you a question, don't assume that he doesn't know. Don't think that he doesn't know the answer. If anything, he wants you to come to your senses. Like when Adam and Eve sinned, after they ate from the tree, he says, Adam, where are you? Is it that he didn't know where they were? He did. did. Who told you that you are naked? Did you eat from the tree I asked you not to eat? Did God know that they ate? But by his nature, God will always allow you to defend yourself. Even on the judgment day, we're going to have opportunities to explain ourselves. You're going to give an account. Did you know that? Sometimes we live our lives as though we will never give an account. We will. He's a God of justice. If he's on that throne, so far as he's on that throne, there will be justice. Okay. So, He says, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's voice cries out to me from the ground. So blood speaks. Now, if the blood of Abel is crying from the ground, what do you think God is hearing by all the bloodshed that is taking place today? What do you think? All the people that have been killed are unjustly. Because this was injustice. How many people know that? Yeah. 
Cain, why did you kill your brother? Just because your offering was not accepted. Then you decide to go against your brother. To take his life. To deprive him of the right to live. You cut off his destiny. Are you getting my point? Just because of jealousy. Wow, that's, that's sad. His own brother. Then look at what God says. He says, So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So God curses Cain. You remember Adam's sin. Adam was not cursed. It was the ground that was cursed. But now, Cain is being cursed. Hmm? What is God doing here? God is acting as a judge. Although Abel is not there to speak, but his blood is speaking. So I have news for you. Every blood that has been spilled is speaking. Especially if it has been spilled unjustly. Still speaking. It says, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. So in other words, the ground is going to rebel against you. You were taken from the ground, right? You spill your brother's blood to the ground. The ground has offered your brother's blood. And your brother's blood is talking, is crying. The Bible doesn't tell us what it is saying. Some people say it is crying for vengeance. I don't know what it is saying. Huh? But it says your brother's blood is crying. So because of that, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. And then it says, a fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. My goodness. In other words, you'll be restless. You will never be able to settle in one place. Do you know that people that cannot settle in one place are exhibiting not a good sign? I know a relative that could never stay in one place. Just every year he has to move. Every year he has to move. He has to move. He gets good jobs, but he never stays. He will always move. And he moves sometimes to other cities. Just wake up. You know, you are fine in Job, but you just get up. Boom. I think I need to go to Limpopo. Go sit there, you get a good whatever. It's as if you're about to settle, then all of a sudden you get up again and you move. So that was the life of Cain. A vagabond spirit. Hmm? I know there's no such spirit in this place. Hallelujah. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He says, no, this is 
not fair. It's too much for me. And guess what? God did not argue with him. Yes? Because a righteous judge will always give attention. As judge, he will give attention. He will listen to you. He will listen to hear, to hear what you have to say. All right. Then he says, Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. <laughs> Say justice. justice. So you see, God is not being emotional about this thing. He's executing justice, but at the same time, he is exercising mercy. Do you understand? And that's the nature of God. Mercy and truth goes before his face. So, Cain, because of what you've done, you're not going to have my presence anymore. But, nobody will be able to kill you. Because you raised this matter, I'm going to ensure that you are protected. And anyone that tries to kill you, his punishment will be seven times more. Now, question. Isn't it the Bible that says you reap what you sow? Now, if he killed his brother, is it unfair for him to sow, <laughs> to reap? <laughs> yeah, to reap what he has sown. The Bible actually says that he that sheds innocent blood negates his right to live. So by divine principle, Cain is bringing himself under a sentence. But God protects his life because he raises his voice and says, this punishment is too harsh. Too harsh. And God hears him. How, how, why, why is God like this? Huh? He should have even just struck Cain with dumbness, you know, just cut off his tongue or something for talking. Yeah. If he were like us, right? I, who, how dare you even raise your voice to speak against me? I am God, the righteous judge, and you are saying this for this. <laughs> it's like Angel Gabriel that struck um, Zechariah with muteness. He said, You shall be mute, you won't be able to speak. That's instant judgment. Okay, so yeah, you see here that although Cain has done wrong, God is judging Cain. Huh? He makes life hard for Cain. You have to till the ground because Cain is a farmer. Do you understand? Yeah. You remember, he used to till the ground. That was the 
That was what he brought. He brought grain. So that should tell you his vocation. And God is saying, you are going to sweat. You, as you till, the ground will be saying, who is there? Cain. Ah, I'm not yielding today. This effort you have put in, I'll only give you 3%. So he has to put extra effort. So every single day he tries to work to make a living for himself. He is reminded of what he did. He's reminded of what he did. So the ground, you cannot force the ground to yield. But I am amazed at how God meted out this judgment, but at the same time was merciful to Cain and still protected Cain. He still protected his rights. Do you understand me? You know, we as human beings, when somebody does something to you, how many people, I mean, you just, you don't want to finish that person Erase that person from the face of the earth. <laughs> yes. But God is not like that. He is more righteous than you. And he, he is more holy. He's holier than you. Right? He cannot stand sin. And yet, he allows his mercy to balance his judgment. Okay, so that's why it seems as if wicked people, you know, it's, it's as if, when are they going to experience judgment? When is God's justice going to catch up with them? And we look at it and we say, if, if, if only God could just do it now. But God doesn't work like that. He's not like that. That's not his nature. Let's look at Genesis Chapter 15. Now, this was when God was getting into a covenant with Abraham. When God was getting into a covenant with Abraham, what did God do? One of the things that God did was he gave, um, he gave Abraham the boundaries of the land that, uh, that belonged to him. All right? He says to Abraham, Okay, he speaks to Abraham about his descendants. Let's read verse 13 for the sake of time. He said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. They will afflict them 400 years. Can you imagine? Right? For nothing. You didn't do anything. And also the nation whom they serve, I will what? Judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. Remember, God told Abraham, this land that you are standing on, I am giving to you as an inheritance and to your descendants. And Abraham says to God, how shall I know that this is going to happen? Then God says to him, go get me a heifer and all of that. And then God cuts a covenant with Abraham. 
and it's in conclusion of the covenant that God is making this promise. And he's telling him, your descendants are going to be in another country for 400 years. 400 years of, of slavery. And after that, he says, I'm going to bring them out, but, and they will come out with great substance. Because remember, slaves don't get paid. Remember, before the Passover, God said to them, go and... Um, Go and borrow yeah. gold huh? and precious stuff from your neighbors. That was the payment. Justice is at work. You see, God's standard of justice is far higher than yours. Some of us think we are more just than God. Don't even try it. Right? So, but then look at what he says. Something in verse 16 really caught my attention. He says, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So, God taking the Israelites to Egypt was to, to take them away from the Amorites. Yeah. They were in Egypt for 400 years. They were suffering um, under the hands of the Egyptians. And they did not realize God's bigger purpose. God was actually protecting them from the abominations of the Amorites. Are you getting my point? Yeah, why? Because the Amorites, those guys, you need to read. If you go study history, some of their abominations were bad. I mean, we have wicked people today, but those guys were on another level. They were on another level. I'll give you an example. Part of their wickedness is they used to sacrifice their children. So imagine... A mother, she, 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 she goes through all the, the pain and comes out nine months of discomfort. And this child is born. And then they now take the child and go and offer the child, put the child into the fire. And offer the child as a, a sacrifice to Molech. It, that was common practice. The immorality was on another level. Do you understand me? The wickedness, my goodness, those guys were wicked. They were really wicked. I mean, we have wickedness today. But their wickedness used to really, really... Um, there was not, not, no wickedness like that, at least at that time. Now there's sophisticated wickedness, but it's kind of refined. But theirs was crude. Was crude. So God gave them 400 years to repent. Are you getting it? So God says to Abraham, he says, he says to him, the, the, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So God is giving them complete mercy. There's a long rope. That rope lasted 400 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
It lasted 400 years. What is he doing? He's exercising justice, but at the same time, he's being merciful. He's not quick to judge. I'm telling you, that's how God is. That's his heart. He's not like us. So these guys are there. God is trying to convict them. I'm sure God is, you know, trying to speak to their hearts. This thing is not okay. There are different ways God speaks to unbelievers. But those guys would not stop. So God says, after 400 years, the cup will be full. Then it will be time for justice. So imagine the blood of Abel cried and God acted. Right? God judged Cain. How much more the blood of the children that for 400 years are being shed. Are you getting my point? Yeah. So that's happening and God says, okay, fine. Your descendants are going to come out after 400 years. That's why God goes and visits Moses. And then all what God does, he's delivering the Israelites, but he doesn't just take them out. He judges Egypt. All the plagues over Egypt were part of justice. That was part of divine justice for what they did to the nation of Israel. Are you getting my point? So God is not sleeping. Yes? His judgment may tarry, but it will surely come. It will surely come. So he judged the entire nation of Egypt and killed their firstborn. And now the Israelites are brought out. And we know That as they are rescued out of Egypt, they end up in the wilderness. And they didn't even understand the purpose of the wilderness. The wilderness was to prepare them to inherit the promised land. So sometimes you go through situations in life. You go through hard times. They are preparing you for your promised land. It was to toughen them. Because in the promised land they are going to fight. You're going to fight giants. You're going to take out giants. There are giants upon your inheritance. But if you don't go through the wilderness, you will not be toughened. So God, in his providence, in his providence, decides to take them through the wilderness. And some Christians today are in the wilderness and they are busy complaining and murmuring instead of embracing the wilderness experience. And saying, God, let your will be done. Amen. Let me be strong. Amen. Let me become who I'm supposed Amen. to be. Let, let, whatever it is you are developing in me, let it be fully developed. Amen. So that was the purpose for the wilderness. Amen. But right there in the wilderness, they now begin to murmur against Moses and against God. And God... His justice steps in. (laughs) Again, although you are my people, if you will continue like this, 
you're not going to get into the land. All of you will die. But your children, for whom you are crying, are the ones that will enter the land. So what happens? God keeps his fire and his glory, but then he withdraws from them. And they're just going in circles. 40 years going in circles. Until all of them had died. Then God comes and says, Joshua, okay, Moses is dead. It's time to cross over. That promise I made to Abraham, it has to be fulfilled. The iniquity of the Amorites is complete. So you need to now go and kill them all. You see? So when you read the Bible, you see, why, why is God asking them to kill these people? You don't realize that it's God's justice for the iniquities that have piled up for hundreds of years. So by the time God spoke to Abraham, God, we don't know how long it, the iniquities have been going on before Abraham. But from the time of Abraham, God says 400 years. So, Nobody can accuse God of injustice. Nobody can accuse God of wickedness. Do you understand? Nobody can accuse God of being merciless. Nobody. Why? He's a righteous judge. If he, I mean, for him to become unjust, his throne has to be destroyed. But his throne is established on justice. So he can never stop being just. He can never stop being righteous. He can never stop being merciful. Glory to God. So, God now says to Abraham, after 400 years, they're going to come out because by then the iniquity of the Amorites will be complete they will be ready for judgment. And in the Old Testament, remember this. Don't ever forget. So in the New Testament, we see demons being cast out of people. But in the Old Testament, they could not cast out demons because Jesus had not yet come. Are you following me? He, now we can say, come out in the name of Jesus. At that time, you couldn't say that because Satan had legal right. To rule over whoever opens himself. So if the demons possess the people to do all those wicked acts, the only way of deliverance in the Old Testament is murder. So you want to get rid of the demon, get rid of the body. The accommodation of the demon. Do you understand? Now, because of Jesus, because of the name of Jesus, the authority and the power we have in the name of Jesus, we can cast out the demon and leave the body. But at that time, you, you, you could not do that, so you have to kill the body so that the, the, the demon will be displaced. Go read your Bible. There's nowhere that there was demon being cast out in the Old Testament. Except from when Lucifer was thrown out of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, so everything God does, you want to understand that God works according to his nature of justice and righteousness. So when you are going to approach God, you need to, you need to come on the basis of his judgment, of his um, justice. If you can approach God on the basis of his justice and you are able to present your case, I'm telling you, you will see divine intervention. You'll see divine intervention. He's the one that says, come, bring your case. He says, let us reason together. Talk to me. Present your matter. Okay? So you don't just come to God and say, God... Not my neighbor. You better kill him now. No, no, no. Please, don't pray those kind of prayers. You need them to be around. Because he prepares a table before you. In the presence of your enemies. So even if that person is an enemy, may the Lord keep them long. Long enough to see how God will bless you. For them to stay long enough to see how God will promote you. Stop praying for people to die. Not a good prayer. That's witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's sad that some Christians pray those prayers. Don't tell anybody to die. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Amen. Unless the Lord tells you to. <laughs> All right. Let's look at Genesis chapter 18. You remember when God, when God goes to visit Abraham. The Lord visits him in chapter 18 of Genesis. And when the Lord visits him, one of the things the Lord Lord says is, okay, God is now planning to go to Sodom. Right? Because Sodom, he has given them enough time. Now it's time for justice. All right? So, God on his way to Sodom stops to visit his friend Abraham. May God stop to visit you on his way somewhere. (laughs) Yes. When he's coming to visit me, may he stop at your house. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, he meets Abraham. Abraham uh, quickly prepares a meal, asks his wife to prepare a meal, and they eat with the angels. The Lord came with two angels, yeah. right? And they sit down and they eat with Abraham. So Jesus can eat our food. Interesting. May he come and eat with you. Amen. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. If anyone would open the door, I will come in Amen. and sup with him Amen. and he with me. Amen. Yes. So Abraham has this glorious opportunity of hosting God in his house. And Sarah had a, the glorious opportunity to prepare a meal for God. And the book of Hebrews says, do not be weary in entertaining strangers. For many unawares have entertained angels. 
I was talking to somebody recently, and, uh, and then I was telling the person, we were talking about a particular subject, and, I, and then and I said to the person, look, there are angels in, 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 the, in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to see there are different types of angels. And I said to him, some angels are actually black. And he was shocked. Wow. I said, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. There are white. Some that are white. There are some that are colored. There are some that are, you know. Exactly what you see on earth. Yes. Yes. The earth is a mirror image of heaven. So I was saying to him, if the scripture says, the scripture says that do not be weary in entertaining strangers, because by so doing many have entertained angels not knowing. So now, if the angel uh, first came to you and is looking, <laughs> if he looks like you, you are more likely. Yes, that's correct. Huh? You are more likely to think that it's just a person. Yes. Right. Yes. Am I correct? Yes. So, and for and this scripture is applicable to the entire humanity. Right. So that means in China they will have angels that look like Chinese. Yes. In Africa they will have we have angels that look African. Yes. In Europe we have angels that look like Europeans. So when they walk the streets and they come for help, you look at them and you think they're just ordinary people, but they are uh, angels. Yes, right. So on the basis of that, it's my proposition that we have black angels. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. That's simple logic. Okay. So Abraham entertains these strangers and it turns out that they are angels, and one of them is the Lord. All right? Verse 16. Then the man rose from there and, and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after me that they keep the way of the Lord to do what? Righteousness, Righteousness and justice. Can you see those two words? Yes. So God saw this quality in Abraham. Wow. Is, could that be the reason why God appeared to Abraham? And singled him out of the entire humanity. Wow. Wow. To now, through Abraham, start an entire nation. Wow. Through which he will bring a tribe. Through which he will bring a family. And through which he will bring his son. Wow. I will not be surprised if this is the quality that attracted God to Abraham. Glory to God. 
And that the Lord might bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. The Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Question. Is it that God did not know? God is omnipotent. There's nothing he doesn't know. But why is he still going down to see? Say justice. Justice. He has to be fair. He has to be just. He has to, he he, he doesn't want to just, he wants to come down and walk in Sodom. And look and see for himself as a man. Not seeing as God, but now come in. And see as man in the form of the angels. The angels were, they took the form of men. Are you getting me? The angels took the form of men so they could walk like men in Sodom. And that's why they wanted to rape them. You can't rape an angel. Are you getting my point? Yeah, so those guys, those guys must have taken human form. God gave them that power so that they could see it from a human perspective. And analyze the situation from a human perspective. Say justice. Justice. Elohim mispath. The Lord. The God of justice. That's him in action. So you see why he does things the way he does. It's his justice. That makes him not to do things haphazardly. Sound judgment. Righteous judgment. So, and we know how Abraham now begins to intercede when he hears God tells him, this is what I'm about to do. Uh, Verse 22, then the men went away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. The Lord himself did not go to, to Sodom. I don't think he could behold that mess. Do you understand? This was, the the blood of Jesus has not yet been shed. So God could not interact with sin. So he has to send the angels. And the angels walk away. They walk away. And then the Lord is with Abraham. And they're still, they're talking. Huh? They're talking. He and Abraham are talking. And then what happens? Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Look at his intercession. Look at the point he's coming from. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And we know what the answer is. Hmm? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous in it? 
Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous shall be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I want you to notice his intercession was based upon the justice of God. Are you getting my point? It's based upon the justice of God. He's saying, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? How are you going to kill the, the, the wicked with the righteous? Why should the righteous die with the wicked? So he appeals to the righteousness of God and the justice of God. So when you are interceding, even when you intercede for the nation, you need to appeal to the justice of God. When you intercede for your family, you need to appeal to the justice and the righteousness of God. And you need to get how you can present your case. Okay? So don't pray senseless prayers that have no meaning and will carry no weight in the spirit. And that's why you need to know your Bible. So that when you pray, you pray correctly. Amen. Am I communicating? Amen. And we know the story. He continues to intercede, continues to from 50. He stops at 10. Obviously, we know that Lot was the righteous that he was talking about. And Abraham probably thought that the Lord would have been doing discipleship just like he taught him. But he didn't. Because if if he had just had a small group, if he had a connect group all these years, come on, he would have had 10 people. (laughs) But he didn't. So because of that, Sodom was destroyed. Hmm? But now, let me bring your attention to something else. Now, the children of Israel in Leviticus, right? In Leviticus, God is speaking to them and he's telling them um, about the promised land. They're going to go into the promised land, right? And God begins to warn them. uh, Let me see, where is that scripture now? God says to them that they must, they must be careful. Okay, Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. You're doing Bible study today. Amen. All right, look at verse, verse 24. Let's read from verse 24. It says, Do not defy yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. Okay? So now God is preparing the Israelites to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. So he begins to give them certain instructions. Right? Those guys, the reason why you are inheriting their land is because of certain abominations that they did. Okay? It's because of certain abominations that they did. And God is saying, you, who is going to inherit the land, 
Don't be guilty of the same abomination. Are you following me? Don't be guilty of the same abomination. He says, for the land is defiled, therefore I will visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. How does the land vomit its inhabitants? The land throws them out. In other words, the land begins to work against them. And they, they get dispossessed. Okay? So God is saying that. Then look at what he says in verse 26. He says, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done, who were before you, and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. <sighs> Are you getting the point now? The God of justice, he's, he's not partial. There's no partiality with God. If they did this, and because of what they did, they are thrown out of the land. God is telling them, although I have a covenant with you, although I have sworn that this land will be given to you, if you practice the same thing, you are going to experience the same judgment that they experienced. And guess what? They did not obey this. That's why we have the conflict in the Middle East today. They were in that land. 1948 is not when Israel became a nation. It has been a nation before. Do you understand me? It has been a nation before because of their abominations. Because of their disobedience. You read Jeremiah. You read Ezekiel. You read the prophets. You see God is telling them through Jeremiah. Look, you are going to be taken out of this land. So the land eventually vomited them. So in 1948, they were now brought back by prophetic intervention. By God's providence, God brings them back. But if you go and read Genesis 15, where God gives Abraham the boundaries, you find out that they have still not possessed all the land that God gave to them. I don't know, it depends, you, you, you might think of, politi- I don't know what your political persuasion is, I'm telling you Bible. Right. Yeah. Their, their land goes as far as Euphrates, that's where Iraq is. Yeah. All of that place still belongs to them, wow. according to the covenant God made with Abraham. Yeah. And eventually they will own it. Amen. So don't join the people that fight Israel. Because you, you, you don't know, you don't understand the history, yeah. and you don't know what God, the kind of covenant God has. God owns the whole earth, Amen. and he has a right to give it to whoever he wants to. Amen. Do you understand me? Yeah. Yeah. And now, let me say this, even as a nation, we're talking about land redistribution right now. Yes. Let me tell you something. This is a divine principle. Yeah. I believe that this matter needs to be addressed. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. It must be addressed. But let me say this. If you get the land and you go back to your ancestors, the land will vomit you again. Because those are the abominations that made your forefathers to lose the land. Do you understand me? So by reason of prayer, repentance, and all of that, God is now beginning to turn the tides, and he wants to restore the land. But I tell you, if we do not turn away from those abominations, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. God will turn the tables again because he's a just God. He's a righteous God. He is not a partial God. He will not bend his word for anybody. He's not a sentimental God. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Hallelujah. And I pray that we will not miss it as a nation. I pray that we will stand and walk uprightly before God. So that we can experience the hand and the blessings of God on this land. And we will stop shedding innocent blood. Amen. Because the blood is still crying. Amen. So there's need for a lot of repentance. There's need for a lot of intercession. There's need for a lot of prayers for this land. I'm telling you. The politicians don't have the answer. We have the answer. Because God has given to us his word. He has given to us his covenant. He has given to us the blood of Jesus. Amen. He has given to us the right of access. And he has made us kings and priests. Amen. One of the functions of a priest is intercession. Amen. So as a priest, you need to know how to approach God. Amen. And to present your case. Amen. And to say, God, on the basis of this. This is your character. Don't, don't, go, don't go just on the basis of, of how you feel. Use his character. Use his, use his nature. Use his justice. Use his righteousness. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you will always see the intervention of God. I'll close with this. I've shared this before years ago. I, um, I read from Kenneth Hagin. One of his members passed away. In his 40s, he was pastoring. He was pastoring. And he says, God, this man is not going. I'm not going to allow this man to go. And guess what? He presented his case. He said, your word says, you are the one that said that you've given us 70 years or by reason of strength, 80. Yes. This man is just half. Yes. Yes. That's in violation of your word. Yes. Okay? Yes. Then he now says, number two, yeah. this man is the most faithful man I have. Amen. There is no man like him in, in this church. He says, his tithe alone takes care of the expenses of the entire church. Wow. 
Where am I going to find this kind of man? Number three, he says, this man's children are young. Who is going to look after those children? Who is going to father those children? Number four, if you are going to take this man, you better take me as well. I'm ready. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to come to heaven because I can see that you are not honoring your word. <laughs> Yay! <Yeah. laughs> That's why I say you need to know your Bible. Amen. And then he quotes the scripture to God from Isaiah where he says, Present your case, yes. plead your cause, yes. let us reason together. Yes. He says, These are my reasons. That's correct. He said, I want this man back. Yes. You know what happened? This brother was in heaven. Enjoying himself, enjoying the glories of heaven. And as he is there enjoying himself, Jesus comes, taps him. You have to go back. He looks at Jesus and says, you must be kidding. I'm not going nowhere. This is a good place. I can't leave this place. He says, no, you have to go back. Then Jesus says to him, he he, has, he, he takes him to a window, a place, and he opens a curtain and he says, look. And he sees his pastor on his knees mm-hmm. praying mm-hmm. by his body, praying, saying, he says, he has asked for you and I cannot deny him. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go back. Amen. And that's how the man was sent back to, to, to the earth and he came back to life. Amen. Obviously, he quarreled with his pastor. <laughs> but at least the family was happy. Amen. The wife, I mean, the wife could have been a young widow. Why? He was able to present his case. Amen. So you need to understand the, the God of justice. Amen. He's a righteous God, but He is also a just God. Amen. And when you present your case, present it properly. Amen. Don't just present, you don't just go to court and just say, no, you just do this for me. No, no, no. There is a way to present your case before Amen. a judge. Amen. Now, if you are approaching Him as your friend, it's different. Because Jesus is also our friend. Okay? You say, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. So as a friend, it's different. But if it's to have justice, you cannot approach a friend for justice because it requires a different office. It requires the office of a judge so far as justice is required. So in your family, there are some of you, you need to ask God for justice because the enemy has afflicted your family. And When God, when you understand the justice of God, when God comes and heals your body, He is working against the injustice. He's confronting the injustice that has been meted against your body. That's what healing is about. Do you understand? So, you need to understand that 
you, if you can go and study the justice of God, the Lord as your judge, there are things that will be very different. Especially if you know how to pray and present your case to the righteous judge. And you come to him and you say, righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. For you to be unjust, your throne has to be destroyed. And your throne is from everlasting to everlasting. So if you are still on the throne, huh? we sang that song, from before time began, you are on the throne. And right now, unchangeable, unstoppable, that's who he is. So you need to appeal to his throne. You need to appeal to his throne. And you can see that even in the, in the life of Solomon, when he, when he was uh, blessed with the gift of wisdom, the first demonstration was he needed to met out justice. And that established his throne when he did the right thing. So some of us have suffered injustice, huh? whether it's at work, whether it's uh, in the community, whether it's in your family, or whatever, I want you to know that the God of justice is on the throne. And God, I'm praying that God will intervene for you. And He will begin to execute justice on your behalf. Hallelujah. Yeah. Some of you, you've suffered injustice in your marriage. Let me tell you, you need to invite him into your marriage as judge. Invite him into that situation as judge. All right? Don't just go crying, God, do something. No. Say, God, it's time for justice. I want you to come in as the righteous judge and judge between me and this wicked man. I'm telling you. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. If it's a wicked woman, you, that's right. Of course. Yeah. That is true. Then invite him and say, Lord, judge between us. I'm not going, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So you say, God, come in as the righteous judge. Because when the judge, the judge is the one that passes sentence. Okay? Once he passes sentence, there are angels that execute. The judge doesn't need to come with handcuffs to come and arrest him. No, 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 no. His word is powerful. Once he hits that hammer, you have to go to a higher court. But now, if it's it's the court of heaven, which court is higher? Which court is higher? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Have you received something this morning? Lord, I pray every injustice 
against your people. My Lord and my God, I ask that you will step in. You will begin to visit their cases. Every single one of them. In the name of Jesus. Step in right now. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Where they have suffered injustice. Oh God, for whatever reason. People have, been, have suffered injustice in their homes. People have suffered injustice in their, in, 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 in their offices. There are people who have suffered injustice in this land. Because they are foreign to this land. My Lord and my God, I ask, oh Father. Whoever it is, whatever it is. May your justice prevail in their lives right now. In the name of Jesus. There are people who have suffered injustice because they are orphans. My Lord and my God, I ask that you will visit as the judge. In the name of Jesus. Some have suffered injustice because they are widows. My Lord and my God, I ask that you will visit in the name of Jesus. Some have suffered injustice, oh God. Oh Father God, because of their weakness, because of their gender. My Lord and my God, I ask that you will visit as the judge of the whole earth who will do right. Mighty God, right every wrong concerning your people in the name of Jesus. Right every wrong. Mighty God, let the tables turn in the name of Jesus. I decree a change. I decree a change. For your people. Yes, Thank you, Father. I bless your name. I give you glory. Come on, let's stand up on our feet. Begin to thank the Lord. Yes. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your situation. The God of justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. I'm telling you, he will fight for you. He will fight for you. While you hold your peace, he will fight for you. Elohim is In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. I see already angelic activities already being intensified. Yes. Some of you have suffered in, in the hands of demons. In the hands of demons. I arrest them right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Jesus suffered injustice so that you can be free from injustice. I declare your freedom right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www dot every nation midrand dot org